This is Writing Excuses, episode 24, Research. 15 minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. Okay, we're going to talk about doing research for our pieces. And Howard, you're the expert. Um, start us off. How much research do you do? Just enough to get by. Okay. <laughs> as, as Second that. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, like my college I'm, life. Unfortunately, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I'd I'd I'm writing. Most of your college life, you didn't do quite enough to get by. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I work for you instead. Hey, um, Howard, go ahead and answer the question. Yeah, well, I'll Sorry try. I'll try. No, that's okay. Uh, I'm writing science fiction, so the amount of research to, required to get by is a little yeah. higher mm -hmm. um, than it is for sloppy old things like epic fantasy, yeah. mm -hmm. um, uh, or for heaven's sake, horror. Um, <laughs> Psychological horror. Yeah, I had to do Indeed. a lot of research for that mm -hmm. one. Um, I find myself spending time with uh, Dr. Google okay. for hours and hours sometimes where I will look something up and then read and read and read and just follow the links, reading on the web. And mm -hmm. often, you know, the, the subject I wanted to research is, you know, 25 pages behind me. Mm -hmm. And I've just read, but when I'm done, I've filled my head up with things that are going to end up in... Uh, backstories usually end up in backstories for settings. Okay. Um, right. For instance, the, uh, the the Kratomar habitat yeah. where uh, the tufts are right now. Um, I wanted to find out how big it is, mm -hmm. and I ascertained well, about 27 million people. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading about the infrastructure of required to support that many people. Uh, infrastructure yeah. of New York City. Mm -hmm. How much food yeah. comes into New York City each day? How much waste goes out of New York City each day? Learned a lot about New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and dumped a lot of that into the backstory okay. notes for Creative. So how much would you say on a given week, how many hours are you spending researching? Three or four. Okay. Dan, how much research do you do? Um, Certainly not that much per week. Most of my research is done at the beginning. Yeah, we front load. Yeah. Um, um, like I said, I, I do psychological horror, which means that I have to read a lot about psychology. I read a lot about serial killers. One of the reasons I wrote this book or this series of books is because I already knew a lot of that stuff because I have yeah. really sick hobbies. But uh, e once I decided I was actually going to write it down so people could read it, I figured I need to know exactly how this works. And so a lot of front-loaded research um, and then a lot of notes taken that I can just refer to okay. as I write. Now, I think of the three, I'm maybe the least um, capable of speaking on this topic because I do the least research, I think. Um, and it is a finger pointed at fantasy, um, not just by Howard, but by people in general. Fantasy does, we tend to get some things wrong. Mm -hmm. um, quite often we do, and it's a legitimate finger point at us. Um, my response to that is, um, yeah, you're right, maybe we should do more research, but I've also learned how to use smoke and mirrors quite well, so that I can hide the fact that I don't know what I'm talking about well, some you're of the having, you, you and your readers are having a great time. Yeah. I write fantasy primarily, not primarily, one of the main things I like about fantasy is that I'm not stuck in a book researching all the time. I'm actually able to write most of my time. Um, and so I'm, that's why I'm focusing on character and plot. And there are things that I need for research. But let's, let's ask um, the guys who know a little bit more, why research? What do you gain by doing the research? Um, You're are less, you are less likely to knock the reader out of the story okay. with glaring yeah. errors. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, we, we had a panel at Conduit, uh, not Conduit, uh, Life, Universe, and Everything uh, two years ago um, about medieval combat in a fantasy setting. 
And one of the things that was brought up is if the existence of wizards who can throw fireballs is known, why do troops still bunch up as they approach yeah. the castle walls? Mm-hmm. Um, simple sorts of problems like that where if the author would sit down and do a little bit of research about military tactics and then look at how the change they are making in their, in their setting mm-hmm. would change those tactics... Uh, They'd find that oh gosh I can't tell the story in this way and I found that for me with uh, uh, when I introduced the Terraport I yeah. did a little bit of did a little bit of research and discovered that uh, uh, wow the Terraport should result in an immediate and very very short and very very decisive war right and then we're done with everything <laughs> right um, yeah. one of the other things you gain is uh, more more accessibility and more believability from people who know more about it than you did before you oh, did yeah. your research. Okay. And yeah. uh, speaking from from personal experience, uh, one of the things I had to go back and change in my book was all the therapy sessions because I've never had a therapist. And so I was writing mine based that pretty much on what a I figured a therapist <laughs> probably does. I'm sorry, did I use my speaking voice for that? Was that my mind. <laughs> the truth comes out. Yes, well, now, now so we So you've never had know. a therapist I've session? I've never had a therapist. How do you feel about not? that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to do a oh, skit with one of these. If you don't <laughs> well, um... I, so you so researched anyway, therapy sessions. In, yeah. I, uh, one of my early readers was a guy who uh, works with, uh, he, he worked in a, I don't know, mental something, hospital, asylum, I don't know what it was. <laughs> something thingy. <laughs> Jeff just did something. Yeah, Credibility is going Jeff. way up here. I didn't, I didn't do any research on his career, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, he was know. experienced enough to go, all these scenes are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, you're right. And I actually had to do some research. I still don't think he likes them, but Jeff doesn't like anything. But uh, it, but, but other yeah. people who have had therapy um, and have read it since then, since I've changed yeah. it, they go, oh, I love the, theme, the scenes with the therapist because they're so like my own scenes with my own therapist. So that yeah. helps expand well, the readership. I think bit. that some of us who are reading who didn't understand it either. We were saying, there's something wrong about this, but mm-hmm. we can't tell you why. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of readers will notice if you're getting things wrong, even mm-hmm. if they can't put their finger on why. The classic example mm-hmm. is the fantasy horse. Yeah, the fantasy horse is an ex- excellent. Perfect. Go, go for tell the, me go the, 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 the horse. The fantasy horse, most fantasy writers and readers have never ridden or even maybe seen a real horse in their lives, and so yeah. they treat them like motorcycles. Yeah. You know, you pull yeah. up to the inn on your horse and you hop off and you go inside and there's this poor horse stuck outside with its saddle and the blankets and the bags and the bridle and everything still on it, just kind of kicking around well, in the yard of the inn. A lot of, I mean, there are just some, yeah, a lot of things that, that's one of the main things fantasy readers get wrong. Treating crossbows as if they were six shooters mm-hmm. um, is another one that they like to do. Um, and you'll, you'll pick up on some of these cliches if you go to the conventions and whatnot. You'll hear about them over and over again. But... Horses are a great example. I, I don't know horses very well. Mm-hmm. I write epic fantasy. Um, now, I've started to go up to a bunch of these panels and listen to all these people say all the stupid things that people do wrong, and I've tried to not do them, right, not do them wrong myself. But with me, um, it's come down to, and I mentioned this earlier, smoke and mirrors. Um, and I, I want to bring this up as a larger topic. Here's the thing. Everybody is an expert on something. And you're releasing a book or a comic, which is going to be experienced by a ton of people, every one of them being an expert about something. 
And the things you write about, there are going to be a lot of people who read who know there a lot more. There will about be it. some of them yeah. who know more about it than you yeah. can ever mm -hmm. hope to. Every, no matter what the situation is, you can maybe focus in, learn everything you can about horses. Great, you're great at horses. You've spent all your time doing that, but now you know nothing about sailing, or you know nothing about um, about sword fighting and all these things. And so your horses can be really le legitimate, but you're going to have all these other topics. And so mm -hmm. I think that it's essential to learn how to use the smoke and mirrors when it comes to research. Um, how is. to make it sound like you know what you're talking about when you it, maybe it's don't. It's very easy to have your characters pull up to an inn on their horse, yeah. hand the reins to the stable boy and yeah. go inside, and you know the stable boy is going to take care right. of the horse and everything's good. Um, um, my main way of doing it is um, have characters who don't know either. Mm -hmm. um, if there's something you don't know a lot about and you're in a third person limited, um, one of the advantages we talked about in the last podcast is if your characters don't know about it, they can say, and then the person, people came and did the stuff with the horses that they do. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, That's I, nice. I, I honestly That's do nice. that a lot. This week's Writing Excuses is brought to you by Warbreaker, a free ebook by Brandon Sanderson that is available for free on his free website. Free. Go download it for free. Free. Void where prohibited. <laughs> Um, yeah. What other smoke and mirrors are there? What kind of things can you do to make it sound like you know what you're talking about? <laughs> Switch viewpoints before <laughs> things get too deep. Okay, yeah. I've, I've done that before. There is a thread on the Schlock Mercenary Nightstar forum uh, called The Tufts New Behavior, and the upshot of the thread was, boy, since the beginning of this book, they're being a lot smarter. Mm. They're tactically, they're, they're just... They're, they're doing things according to a much more intelligent military protocol. And um, that's not because the Tufts have changed. That's because enough of my research has finally sunk in that I thought, you know, I'm going to stop making fun of doing it dumb. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start making fun of doing it right, but stuff goes wrong anyway. Which is a kind of a higher level of storytelling. Uh, I hope. Dan, we'll see how it ends. Well, one of the other things that uh, to, to, to consider with this, especially when you get into fantasy, I think, is you don't need, the fantasy audience doesn't need as much specific, detailed realism as most sci-fi audiences do. Right. And so, you know, the, the epic fantasy reader, is, is they're not reading historical medieval fiction. They mm -hmm. don't need it to be perfectly accurate to actual Middle Ages feudal society. Mm -hmm. And so you can get away with a lot of that stuff just by ignoring it the, because you know that the audience yeah. doesn't necessarily I will say, want it. If you do it right, it's a real advantage to your fiction. I think Robert Jordan, um, mm -hmm. the, I, I keep bringing him up, I, I, I'm biased, but um, there's a scene in, um, in I think the third book um, where one of the characters who is a blacksmith goes and he's just, everything's going crazy. His life has been turned upside down. He goes and visits a blacksmith shop in town and just takes a moment where he spends time working in the blacksmith shop, making like a nail or uh, a, 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 a horseshoe or something like that. And it's so detailed and so perfect, but it weaves into what his conflicts were at the time, that you can see him relaxing. You relax when you read the scene, and it feels wow. so authentic that it just blows your mind. Um, Lee Modisett is really good at this too. He can make you interested in a guy making a barrel. Um, which is why I always say about it. I actually just, and you just read this yeah. a few weeks ago, I did a scene identical to that, but with an embalming yes. in my uh -huh. second book. And, and it, <laughs> it, it can gain you something. And I think um, what it can gain you is some credibility, but it also can really sink someone into the scene. Um, and this is one of the main reasons to do research. And though I hate research, this is one of the things that I 
I make myself do. There are details you, you have to get right. Um, but it's still a little bit smoke and mirrors. I think that if you can put in a couple of really legitimate good details, people will ignore the places you And that's over. the key. That's mm -hmm. the key is getting a couple of details right, right. and then having your characters move the story forward. Yeah. A good friend of mine, uh, uh, Sal, uh, when I first met him, he's uh, ex-military. When I first met him, he, uh, he said, yeah, I've been going through your comic you know, so we can do this panel together. And I, I love this stuff. And, you know, even though you don't tell it on screen, I know. And then he started telling me about how Sergeant Schlock cleans his weapon. Uh-huh. That had never occurred to me. <laughs> it had never occurred to me. Sal wrote himself into this story with, you know, his military experience was being reflected on my character. And I realized, well, okay, the smoke and the mirrors must have worked because mm -hmm. I never show him yeah. cleaning his weapon. Now, after having that experience with Sal, I sat down with him, I sat down with many other mm -hmm. uh, military and, and ex-military folks, picked their brains and found out what kinds of things can I throw in yeah. so that you guys keep having that sort right. of experience. What yeah. can I do to make it more real for you without turning it into gun clean yeah. or something? You know, yeah. The, the first thing you said, Howard, at the very beginning was you do just enough research to get by. And I think that's actually Mm. not just an excuse, it's really smart. Because if there's too much research, especially inserted into the yeah. book, mm -hmm. then it does. It starts to become a technical yeah. manual. Talk on that topic, because we haven't even gotten to it, and I think we need a little bit on it. What does too much research do? Too, too much research pulls you out. It, it mm -hmm. turns it again into a technical manual. Now, too much, that's not too much research. That's, that's, that's letting it through. Too much research. Yeah. That's yes. letting it that's, through. That's exactly that's what we're talking about. that's the danger with doing research. Just like world building, you'll want to put it all in, and mm -hmm. you've got to resist it. Um, I do want to just back up a second and say, when I'm talking about smoke and mirrors and faking it, I don't want to imply that you should just cut corners. Um, I don't want to imply, I don't want to encourage bad storytelling. I think that you want to be telling the best stories you can. Um, the worry I have with this is you can't do everything. And mm -hmm. so you've got to pick a few yeah. areas and you've got, it's, it's always good to be getting better, like Howard's getting better, learning more of these things, but you've got to pick your battles. And with me, um, I want to pick my battles. You know, when I told, when I wrote Mistborn, I actually did some research. Uh, um, I went and researched <laughs> two things. Eunuchs, because I had a main viewpoint character for the series who was a eunuch, and I wanted to know everything I could about what different psychology and what, what being made a eunuch did to somebody physiologically. Um, and I researched canals, because I thought, I'm going to base a lot of my culture and my, my um, foundation for how trade works on the canals. I'm not going to research horses. People don't ride a lot of horses in my books. They take place in big cities. Um, and so I'm not going to spend my time there. Other people do it way better. And so I picked my fights. And I think that that's what we want to do. Rather than just, oh, fantasy readers, they'll accept this crap. You yeah. don't want to be thinking that well, way. Dan said this in uh, the one, I think it was the very first or second podcast we did. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were quoting somebody else, and I can't remember who that was. Uh, pick something simple and yeah. explain the heck out of it. Pick something complex and don't explain it at all. Mm -hmm. And that's the smoke and mirrors you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. If, we, if you explain something we all understand, then we are all on the page with you and we get it. We believe yeah. you're the expert. And now you take something that's very complex and you gloss past it and we all believe that you know it because you knew this other thing, so yeah. away mm -hmm. we go. Okay. Um, any final words? I think we've covered it. I've got one that I want to mention. Um, and that is... Uh, my final words are, 
your, as a fantasy novelist um, or as horror or science fiction, the weight of your reading in the past should also form a lot of what we're talking about for your research. I don't often yeah. sit down and say, I'm going to research this one topic. I don't spend three hours on Google every week. What I do is I am constantly trying to look for books I can read that will raise my general level of knowledge because I think a fantasy writer has to be a jack of all trades and know a lot about a lot of things. And so I'm reading a lot of nonfiction. I think one of the best, if final words for me, mm -hmm. one of the best tools, uh, I, I use Google a lot, but I inevitably end up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, the irony. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia, you know, if you cite Wikipedia as a source and you're writing something scholarly, you'll get uh, run out of town on a rail. Um, you're not doing something scholarly. Yeah. You're writing fiction. For crying out loud, Wikipedia is wonderful because the topics are linked together yeah. and you can fly through in 25 minutes and have a character yeah. or a city's backstory done. Well, e even yeah. five years ago, internet research was, was really kind of laughed at. It's absolutely viable today, especially for fiction writers. All right, let's leave it there. Writing prompt. Uh, our producer is reminding us that we need a writing prompt. Um, so, Howard, writing prompt, fast! Write a scene in which a character is performing an activity about which you know nothing. Pick an activity about which you know nothing, go to Wikipedia, read up on that activity, and have the character performing exactly that activity. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to go there. This has been writing excuses. <laughs> If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cut scene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.